for a majority of folks, maybe even yourself, our workspace experience. It has changed whether we're remote or we find ourselves back in office locations these days. This transformation has had the teams at Logitech reimagining and redesigning how they can continue to support all employees. So, how does Logitech look at the hybrid work model? What is meeting equity and how can your team strive for it? Also, how much of this shift is technical? How much is human? Some insights and answers coming up. Our Connection Tech Experience Solutions podcast starts now. Hey folks, James Hilliard joined by Nathan Catino. He is the head of analyst relations and business strategy at Logitech. Nathan, before we talk about some of the things that I mentioned, and even before we get to the present, maybe even the future, I wanted to start with you a little bit in the past, starting with your recollection of the first time that you engaged in some type of online video conferencing. And I'm guessing somewhere in what, the, the 10 years? Maybe more, more than that. More than that. So I, I distinctively remember this app on Windows 95. When Windows 95 first came out, there was this app called NetMeeting. And maybe I missed the first version. Maybe I went to NetMeeting 2.0. But uh, back in the day, and like I said, I was I was, I was was a little bit of an introvert, actually. And I've now switched over to the other side. But um, I remember I was trying to meet... Uh, I was trying to meet girls and trying to get to know people. And I, I was having a really tough time in college initially. And here comes this thing called net meeting and like a very, uh, very much like an IRC chat relay back in the day. Also, at the same time, um, I ended up talking to this girl in Australia. Uh, nothing really came of it. We were just, you know, we we're just friends, got to know each other. But it was amazing to be able to watch and talk to that person live and then occasionally through a video. The video was terrible back in the day. It was just awful. Right. You could you could see the frames literally like, you know, crunching away one at a time. But um, that was my first introduction to it. And then I think where video really exploded for me was uh, FaceTime from a personal perspective, like, you know, many years later. And we used it off and on with, you know, I think Apple had a product called iSight, uh, which then became FaceTime. Uh, so we use iSight for, you know, unfortunately, not everyone had a Mac back in the day or an iPhone for that matter because it didn't exist. Uh, but then eventually FaceTime was really what pushed it forward. And then eventually at one point it became WebEx because I had a very distributed team. And even though my company at that point didn't even have a WebEx license, we went out and just subscribed to it to get everyone on board. Because for the same reasons as I would do today, if I'm managing and leading people across the country, I need to be able to see them it's because I don't see them every day. So that was in 2004, 2005. It was, so it was a while ago, uh, first days of WebEx. I've been a remote uh, type employee for 17 plus years. And so I remember the grainy video. I remember the bad sounding audio. And we'll talk a little bit about those things sure. as we are chatting today about the, the evolution of the, the workplace and all that. I want to spend a, a good couple of minutes as we do talk today about kind of how we are and how teams that you're working with are engaging their, their office space for this now. Because we had um, different ways that we utilized rooms conference rooms, or even those dedicated hundreds of thousands of dollar rooms uh, that were around. And and then we all went home and we all grabbed a webcam and we grabbed whatever we could, maybe a headset, maybe a microphone, maybe just using our built-in stuff. And we got through the beginning of, you know, two or three years ago. Um, but now, kind of as you and I probably experienced, you know, 15 plus years ago, we wanted more. 
and the you know folks that are working out they want more they want better they want to make sure that we don't lose some of the nuance that we get from having video from having great clarity and audio and all so i do want to talk about the spaces in offices now but before we get there i'd love to talk about the home environment and i'd love to ask of you a tip or two that you have that allows you to you know get through your days on so many video meetings calls things like that what what's one or two things that nathan does to allow him to continue to do that on a regular basis that's a uh, it's hard to kind of come up with one or two because there's so many but i'll, I'll try to kind of uh, get to the to the base one so I, I think having a comfortable location is really important so this is not this is a non-technology piece, right? Having the right chair, the right desk, the right setup, that's just such an important piece. Uh, and not everyone can afford to do this, right? Because some have a really tiny condo or a small apartment and they, they're stuck at the dining room table or uh, maybe even the kitchen island, which is probably the worst place to sit, by the way, for your back for eight hours a day. So, you know, I think you have to rethink, especially if you're going to be home for a while, or this is now your permanent location, you're not going back to an office. You're gonna to have to get a little desk, even if it's a 32-inch desk or a 48-inch desk. Get a, get a, the right desk so that your posture is correct. If you have the space and if you have the budget for it, get a sit-standing desk because that just kind of that saved my life during the pandemic. Because if I was sitting all day long, I would have probably been double my size by now. Because you do tend to eat a lot, right? Especially if you're home all the time. Yeah, so I think you know physically, like posture. Think about posture, how you're looking at the camera. Uh, you know, that's like the, the first part. The second thing is, you know. I see a lot of people hunched over a laptop the entire day. There's just no reason to do that anymore, right? Especially if at work you had double screens or, or triple screens or even one monitor, you're not typically just using a laptop. It's more comfortable to have an ergonomic or a regular keyboard and a mouse. Uh, I fought that for the longest time because I was a consultant. I traveled a lot and I'm like, you know, I don't want to be different when I'm on the road versus when I'm at my desk at home in the office. So I just forced myself to only use the laptop. And it worked for me for a while. And then I started having these carpal tunnel issues and nothing that would happen to everyone. But then I went to the desk with multiple monitors and that just seems to work. And even though I've had it for such a long time, now I can't do without it. Now I feel like I'm going to be one of those guys that buys one of those monitors that go over your laptop and gives you double screens when you travel. I haven't done that yet, but I have a feeling I'm going to be one of those people when I start traveling again, um, at least traveling more. But the, the last thing I'd say is, you know, your audio needs to be crisp and clear, especially if you're going to be on calls all day long. And, and it may not make a difference to you individually, but it makes a difference to the people that are hearing you. So, you know, we are limited by some things because we're not in a physical room together. So you want to be able to be heard clearly so you have your shot at making your points known to the party that you're talking to. And then the other thing is video. You know, I see there's still a lot of people that don't use webcams and you know they'll try to make it work they'll put their they put their laptop on a stand and they'll angle the display and unfortunately every time you close your lid and you open your lid you're going to have to keep adjusting it and then the other people on the other other end is just seeing you go up and down and frankly webcams it's just it's a better camera it's a it's a better sensor and they're not that expensive so one if you can look your best and come across your teams as professional or, or, or playful or, you know, depending on you know, what kind of meeting you're in, I think you should do that. And, and a lot of people have taken this opportunity to bring their best self and their authentic self to work, whether that there's a, there's a mess, as you can see, you know, that there's a mess in my house, right? 
it's fine. You know, all people live differently. And I think bringing your, your authentic self to work is the most important. And doing that through audio and video and being comfortable, I think, are, are probably some good tips for people. Well, I appreciate those, those those tips. And and one of the things I just want to comment on that you brought up was that, you know, having good audio, having the good video, lighting, things like that. Some people might not recognize that as a big deal, whatever. I'm, I'm still able to just talk to them. We can get our stuff done. But um, there is so much fatigue out there. And fatigue comes from uh, sometimes overexertion. And so if you have bad audio and your audience has to listen hard for you or constantly up and down the audio. Oh, now that person's too loud. Now that person's too soft. And it's constantly, you're making them work. And so I feel, again, uh, you know, you were kind of uh, sounding like you're echoing the same thoughts. Do well for your audience and think about them from an audience perspective. And, and if you can deliver them something easy, they also might remember you and your message stronger because at least, oh, Nathan, I didn't have to work at that meeting to understand, see, hear him, but that other one I did, right? And you might not want to engage as much in those other poorer quality. That's just, you know, kind of my commentary and things that I observe as well. Fatigue is a, is a, is a real problem, but it also means different things to a lot of people. So for example, fatigue can definitely be caused by bad audio, by bad video, by bad lighting, by being framed incorrectly. Uh, fatigue can also be had by a bunch of people jumping on a, on a video call and none of their video cameras are on. So now you're staring at the screen at a bunch of you know uh, avatars or, or initials, which doesn't help much. Uh, fatigue can also be culture-led. This is the one that gets a little strange. And I'll, I'll give you an example of, a, well, I'll give you one example of a bad and one of a good. So during the pandemic, uh, a friend of mine was required to be on a Zoom call with their video turned on eight hours a day because there was no trust. That's an example. I've used this example many times because I think it's one of the worst ones I've heard uh, during the pandemic. Of course, they've changed since then. They've learned the hard way. But there was this knee-jerk reaction initially, like, oh, my God, you're working at home? Oh, no one's going to be doing any work. We have to see them to make sure that they're doing some work, which is ridiculous. Um, so I think we've kind of come come from that. Um but when you have a culture of nonstop meetings with very little prep, with you know um, maybe constant rambling on a call, or just meeting, to, uh, have a meeting to meet, or having a having a meeting to see people if they're working, it creates a really hostile work environment, and that's kind of where the fatigue starts coming from. Um, you know, you and I, and probably you know every some of the folks that are listening on it. If you have a good team culture and they they're very trusting, and everyone's getting rolling up their sleeves when they need to get stuff done, it should not be fatigue. I have not experienced fatigue during, you know, I, I, I feel bad for people because I know there are many that actually have had this fatigue problem, but it's multifaceted. It's, it's, some are technology related. Some are, I mean, some are bandwidth related. I don't think a lot of people have really talked about this, right? But during the pandemic, especially when all the kids went home, everyone's internet lines started getting jammed and no one could figure out how to solve this problem. And that's a, that's a technology problem that can be solved, but for the average user who, you know, I buy my broadband from X vendor and I have this one access point and then it's magic after that. Right? I didn't have no idea what goes in, what's going goes out because not everyone understands how a router works. Right. I get that. But how do they solve for it? Right? I, I don't know about you, but I have I have different access point networks in my house and I have my kids on one and they're all you know, limited to like 50 meg and I have like a gig. And so like there's there's ways you can tame it. But the average person doesn't know how to do that. So, you know, that could cause fatigue. Like imagine trying to join a call and it just is connecting and connecting day in, day out. 
you get frustrated, right? You don't even want to use the platform anymore. You don't probably want to change your job because it's so terrible. So there's many facets, I think, of fatigue. Especially for some people, those later afternoon meetings, right? You've already been working all day. Then the kids get home. They start hammering some, maybe it's homework or maybe they're jumping on Xbox yep. right away. And then your end of day meetings might always be frustrating and they might not even recognize why those meetings suck, but my morning meetings are fine, right? And and so you're you're right. There are, there are a lot of facets there. One of one of my bots, I was just gonna say like one shortcut to that is putting your business um or your laptop on a business line, a separate line. So get two different lines from Xfinity or two separate lines from ATT. Now that costs more money. So that's the problem. It's like, you know, now like will work pay for it or can you afford it? I mean, there's all these issues, like not everyone can do dual lines. Um, but I had a, a, one of my one of my bosses actually did that because his kids would come home or they were home all summer and they would just hit Xbox and PlayStation nonstop and just crush that Internet yeah. connection. So he's like, I'm done. He got his own, uh, you know, Comcast line. He, he ran it to his laptop, his own router. No one else messed with it. All his problems went away. Uh, but again, that's not that doesn't fix everything. It doesn't fix every problem. Now, some of the modern routers, by the way, and we're not really supposed to be talking about routers, but I'm going to tell you because maybe someone in the audience will appreciate this. But some of the modern mesh routers actually has the capability to, you know, kind of divvy up the bandwidth. And so now you can have your business line get like the most maybe during eight to five. And then the rest of the time, you know, your Apple TVs and Netflix all have fair game uh, in terms of Internet access. But um, that's still technical. That's still a technical thing for someone to figure out. So unfortunately, it's not super easy for like, you know, I don't know, my mom or my dad to be able to go in there and just kind of set that up. I would have to set that for them. So that's the unfortunate part is that it's still somewhat technical. Well, one of the things that, that we're kind of playing around with now and that, that we had want to discuss, I mentioned in the open that we would talk a little bit about kind of this, this equity mm -hmm. and meeting equity. It's also um, maybe power guys like you and me with some of the, the best gear and some of the knowledge. I've got three access points in the house. I have some of them regulated to different times. Usually it's just when I know I'm doing something big, then you know I'll make those adjustments. Um, to understand that not everyone is that tech savvy and i know a lot of people will come on some of the meetings oh sorry oh, i can't find my care oh sorry that in in like i see them start spinning and it's it's nervousness it's embarrassment it, it's it's a variety of feelings they might be feeling but i'm experiencing that for them i try to get in and be like no worries we got a moment here take your time look through it it's a different platform. Maybe you're used to being on Teams and this time we're on WebEx sure. or maybe we're over on Zoom or whatever. The buttons are, they're all the same, but they're always in a different place. They're labeled a little different. So I try to give a little bit of grace there, realizing that not everybody is an expert on that front. And some people don't, like you and I spend six hours maybe in front of video cameras a day. Maybe it's their once a weekly with the somebody or or what have you or their culture doesn't do a lot of those now they're working with me where my work culture and the people i do so i try and give some grace there what are some of your thoughts on that of just understanding that other people are going to be at technologically different uh, environments from time to time I, I think planning ahead in terms of knowing that one someone is going to have connectivity issues is important especially if you're not going to be on a call every day i'll be honest i'm on Zoom and Microsoft Teams calls all day long. We very rarely have folks that can't get their camera to work or, but it's a culture thing. It's a massive culture shift. We also work for a company that makes video cameras, right? So, you know, gosh, we really need to know this stuff, but everyone's fairly tech savvy uh, at Logitech and they're really, really good about it. But, you know, when talking to customers, this happens a lot uh, because sometimes, you know, uh, maybe they're a WebEx shop 
and you know we send them a Zoom link and they're struggling trying to download the Zoom uh, client or whatever, eventually we'll get them there. So one, having compassion and uh, understanding ahead of time that that's going to happen, drilling that into your psyche so you know that every call that's going to happen, uh, that's a great way to start. And they appreciate it too because they might be frustrated or maybe not you know understand the platform. or uh, But once you get started and going, then, then you're good to go. The good news is that most of these platforms are really good today. Like not, we don't have the crazy problems we had, you know, even four, even three years ago where the clients would not load. It was, they were too bulky, they're hard to find, hard to install. Most of the platforms now are super simple to install and, and use right away. So that's the good good news. But but I agree, not everyone's tech savvy and you just have to kind of make sure and keep that in the back of your mind and be inclusive as possible to understand that you may have to do a little bit more work to get them online teams that you have worked with mm -hmm. that are, are looking to up their game in the collaboration space and, and may reach out to you and, and others at, at Logitech and saying, hey, we're, we're, we're trying to do some things. Who have been the real good leaders? And maybe it's a position title. Is it the IT folks that say this is what you need? Is it having those line of business managers in saying, well, this is what I want for my employees, again, whether they're remote or setting up requirements for in office. And, and we're leading very closely to talk about what people are doing in the office today, because, again, I tease the office of four years ago. Sure. Collaboration. It's a lot different than the office of today collaboration. So we will be focusing on that a little bit here. But um, who's a good leader? What have you seen from those leaders to make sure that everyone has as much of this kind of meeting equity as possible? Sure. Um, so let's take a step back for a second. So let's define meeting equity because I think I think that that term or set of words are being thrown out thrown around a lot lately. And uh, so let's kind of define. So um, when we were all in the office prior to the pandemic, we use some video you know a lot of offices had maybe 10 percent of the rooms had video maybe 20 percent, maybe 30 percent. sometimes if you're lucky but most didn't have i mean almost every office never had every every conference room never had video right there was always a or room. maybe one dedicated room that everyone fought over for the big meeting maybe one dedicated room per building yeah or or per floor like everyone did it differently uh, but for most people, they didn't have too many. They maybe had one or two. Uh, most people never had webcams at their desks. I mean, think about it. It's such a different time. So when we all went home, we all were like we are today, right? Some of us, at least, still, still at our home offices. And every all of a sudden, you get on a call with 30 people, and you can see 30 people. And you're like, wow, this is fantastic, right? I can see everyone clearly. And in some cases, you know, like you didn't know the difference after a while. This was just normal for about a year and a half. Then people started going back to the office. And while people were really excited to go back in person, mask or maskless, depends on what time of the pandemic you were in, you're sitting around the table, you're having a great conversation, but the person at home now sees these little ants, right? Sometimes the framing would work. Sometimes the framing would switch like really fast and you're like getting dizzy. Like, like who's, is it, is it Joanne who's speaking or is it Paul? Like what's happening? Um, so we realized that we had a problem and it needed to be fixed, right? Like, People at home need to be able to see people in the office properly, framed properly, so that you can get context of what's happening in the conference room. Um, and uh, by the way, this problem has been around for a while. This is not a new problem. This problem has existed since you know video conferencing, active framing, probably about a decade ago. The problem is people didn't complain about it, or why they didn't complain about it, because not everyone was home. We dealt with it. If I was home and I had a bunch of people in a room, I just I just deal with it. I'd rather be like at least I can hear them. And I can see the shared screen, 
right? And I'm not going to bother about all this other stuff. And the other funny thing is a lot of these rooms that had active framing, many people would turn it off because it was really annoying for it to kind of keep bouncing back between Joanne and Bob and stuff like that. So they would turn it off. So it, it's a, it was a broken, it was always a problem. It has never, it's never been fixed, right? So now all of a sudden we know this is permanent. Everyone's going to be, well, not everyone, but a lot of people will be at home for quite a while and new jobs will start in the new economy, like as a work from home only job, right? So we've got to fix this because we've got to be able to see people clearly. We have to understand them. It's all the same key, like see them clearly, understand them and see the body context of what's actually happening in the conference room. So that's where this concept of meeting equity came out. And the platform started. So those Zoom and Microsoft were both one of the first to say, hey, listen, we're going to build smart gallery. We're going to build intelligent cameras to be able to frame people correctly. But this is a two part problem, right? You have to fix it in software. And you also have to fix it on the hardware side. So we've obviously built features into it that then integrates with smart galleries. So now when you when you get into a um, conference room that has a Logitech camera as an example in there, it can properly frame the people and automatically switch. So it's not super dizzy. It's a very cool, like Hollywood, almost like panning from Joanne to Bob. So you can see the person clearly. You can hear them clearly. And the person on the other end feels like they're physically there and actually has a great conversation. So that's that's kind of where meeting equity is today. I wouldn't say it's a solved problem. It's just a, this is going to be a um, something that we will work on and the software platforms and the end users will work on making it better for the next five years at least because we're kind of at ground zero right now. But that's kind of the problem itself is that like people on the far end can't see people in conference rooms. And then the reverse is also true. This is the part where people forget the stuff we already talked about having the right microphone, having the right speakerphone, having the right video camera and, and setup to feel comfortable to make sure that people on the other end in the conference room see and hear clearly are also important and part of that meeting equity. So if you just have like a, uh, a skull candy headset or something from Walgreens or wherever you bought it from, right? Uh, it's probably not going to sound as good as one of our headsets or a business quality headset. So that kind of now gives you less of a chance to be included in conversations because people are like, oh God, his audio is terrible, her audio is terrible. So I think meeting equity spans how you work. If you work in a room, you got to think about it. If you work one in the home office, one in the conference room, you got to think about it. If everyone's remote, you still have to think about it. So it just depends on the situation as how, you know, how your people are laid out in the company. Do you see a lot of organizations, I appreciate you defining it, to get back to the idea then, do you see a lot of organizations where a business team lead might say, you know what, I got a couple people here, Paul and Michelle, their audio is not the greatest, everyone else is good, I'm going to make sure we get them up to you know the same par quality. Or do you see companies do it more company-wide where they say, look, everybody's getting a headset everybody's getting a webcam ever what, what's the general you know flow that you see there so uh and thank you for bringing up the original question um i would say that i have not seen someone do it the same way yet which makes this extremely hard so let me tell you what i've found though because i think it's kind of interesting um so clearly everyone's doing their own thing they all have different rules and regulations of what hybrid means to the organization or if they even call it hybrid right but the folks that have had a hybrid plan in the works for a while and have actually said, okay, this is our new way of working. This is our hybrid plan. This is how the company is going to work. 
managers, you can do this with your teams and this is how you want to work. And this is maybe if you want to decide if people come to the office or not. If they have a plan, they are doing this really well. They, you know, they're, they've figured out if what the home office kit needs to look like, does it need a headset based on role. If you're, if you're more of a task-based worker, you get one set of gear. If you're, uh, you know, CEO or CIO and, you know, you need a different level of gear, then, then you have X. We have some customers that have literally built home studios in their houses because they do a lot of, um, uh, meetings with their employees. So if they do like a monthly call as an update, they want to look as professional as possible, but the commonality in all this is that if the company itself has a plan, has educated their people on the plan and have given um, the flexibility for the managers and the leaders to manage their teams based on how they want to work, they're the ones who have seemed to have figured out how to make this work correctly. There are many others that are kind of in the middle where they're letting some do some things and some do the other. And then what you have happening is now there's like an inequality happening inside the company where like, why does that team have all that stuff and can do that and work from home whenever they want? So then you have some sort of fighting going on and creates all sorts of fun stuff inside the company. And then you have other companies that just refuse to work from home and everyone goes back to the office. I'm not going to mention names, but you know who I'm talking about. Um, so um, there is no silver bullet here. However, um, so obviously having a plan is important. However, let me give you a couple tidbits of what I think is very successful. Having a clear vision and a clear plan for a hybrid right from the top of the organization through the senior leaders who then obviously infiltrate or recommend all those, uh, all those recommendations down to the managers and leaders is super important. If you can get that to work, like for example, we're a video first company. We need everyone to make sure they understand how to share, how to start a meeting, how to set up a meeting. Uh, by the way, this should have happened three years ago, but there are many that are not even at that stage yet, but it should be. That's that's your baseline. So right? now you have a way of flowing everything out that this is not a temporary thing, right? We're going to have some employees that are going to be remote. We're going to have some that live in a different country. Um, and we're going to have some that come to the office. So the commonality, our language that we all speak in is video. We have to know how to use the basics of these tools. Um, so that's, I think that's one really important thing, but never underestimate the power of leadership and how you can say, hey, listen, every meeting is going to be video or everyone must know how to share, how to set up a call, how to schedule, all that kind of good stuff. That has worked wonders in many organizations. So that's really, really important. Number two, giving managers and leaders the flexibility to run their teams. I think is huge. Uh, we've done that internally at Logitech. Like for example, I mean, my team is fully distributed anyway. We're like half of us in the UK, some are in Texas, some are in Chicago, um, some are in California, but we're completely distributed. We're not, no, no one is in the same city. So we all live on video pretty much, right? Uh, but then there are some that go into our local offices that have figured out, okay, we're gonna come in as a team and work Monday and Tuesday, and the rest is gonna be work from home. And the office knows that they're gonna come in. So they prep the workspaces for them so they have like eight tables by each other or conference rooms by each other. And the manager has full autonomy over this. We have given every manager the right to say, listen, if you need the space and you need a local office or a WeWork or something else that's available, we'll give them the space for it. And then they work how they want to. And that is one of the things that people are missing, I think, because this all needs to go back to the office is clearly not going to work. That's why people are leaving jobs and moving on, right? But you have to understand what makes the team work, what makes them most successful. And you may have known it, you may have had that answer in 2019, but 
after the pandemic, people have evolved. They want to work differently. It's very different. And in some, some things can be fixed with technology. Some things cannot, right? Uh, like brainstorming meetings, being able to whiteboard. I mean, there's no matter how many digital whiteboards, and we make an awesome uh, whiteboard camera, but no matter all the technology in the world, if your team needs to be together physically to work, you can't replace that. So maybe you come in for two hours a week or four hours a week or whatever it is, right? And, and do that, accomplish it, and then use the tools to kind of carry you through the rest of it. Uh, but having having a plan, giving leadership the autonomy to do it, and honestly, if it comes top down, and it's clear, it has to be clear, because none of the stuff I've seen is clear. It's all wishy-washy. Uh, and then once you figure out the plan, this is such a novel idea, when you finish, the, when you figure out the plan, then build your office to the way you think it's going to work. So if you know that people are only going to come in, you know, two, two, two days a week or three, you don't need all the desks that you have today. And we're definitely thinking about that. Right? We're going to shrinking down the size of our offices because number one, we know we, all these people are not going to come back. And, but when they do come back, we needed to make it flexible for them. So we're building flexible rooms and flexible spaces, you know, desks that can be torn down, meeting rooms that can be torn down so it can fit the group Monday, Tuesday, and then we flip it for Wednesday, Thursday, and so on and so forth. These are, by the way, very different ways of building an office. It's kind of like actually a WeWork, if you think about it, like a co-working space, that they do that every day. So it's 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 interesting for the psyche of IT and facilities to change their minds. We're not there yet. We haven't figured out the blueprint for that yet, but it's definitely starting to happen. But it's almost like the the office management staff of the future is almost going to be, I'm going to draw a parallel to the, the world that I also play in going out and doing live events in front of customers from a stage and things like that. It's almost like event planning. And so, yeah, they look at their calendar. Oh, okay. Monday, Tuesday, we've got Nathan's Logitech team focused on this coming in. But over here, it's going to be the sales team coming in. And later on, it's going to. And so, yeah, that they'll be moving in what is needed where. And that space is going to have that, that very dynamic feel. Unlike, and I had mentioned this before, right? There were some people that had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on telepresence rooms and things like that. My understanding is one, those are, they collected a lot of dust back in the day anyway, uh, even more so. And a lot of them are just being taken out and torn down and changed. The, that, that model did evolve, just as you're saying, we're going to be evolving how this works. And the way to evolve is have a plan, give those managers the autonomy, and the managers then are going to say, you know what, we might have to go back and change that plan a little bit because you said we're still in those early stages. We're getting up to speed. There are going to be some starts and stops. There's going to be some failures. But you know, these days we know how to fail quickly uh, a lot, and especially in the tech world and the more uh, technically advanced companies. So we'll learn probably from those. And the best practices will start coming out in six months, in a year, in two years. I want to emphasize one thing. Uh, and I agree with you, by the way, but I want to emphasize one thing. Uh, one thing that I don't think, not think, I know for a fact that most are not doing well. Um, you know, when you do, back in the day, when you release a brand new system, it could be like an ERP system or something, you talk to the people, right? You understood their their needs. You built a business process around what they what they actually did because you don't know to stick out a software package and here work differently, right? You basically re-engineer the process on the platform to, to, so that people are comfortable and then you educate them and they're happy, they give you feedback. That's not happening uh, right now in terms of uh, work from home options or how you design your rooms, right? What people are doing is they're like, we think that we need 100 different large and medium conference rooms. Therefore, we just deploy it. And many times, most people are not 
even consulted as to what their needs are, how they need to work. And that's, I mean, we're all human, right? We all have needs. And, and especially now that we've been exposed to video for two years, we have different ways of working and want to work. So, you know, uh, so I, I've seen, and it's, it's funny because I've, we've started to see more people build appliance-based rooms with Zoom and Microsoft, right? It's, it's happening more and more often. It's because it's so much easier to use. Like we've seen a lot of conference rooms where you walk in and there's an HDMI connection, right? And you're like, what do I do with this, right? And then the average person is trying to shove one cable in and then shove the USB in and then nothing works. So they go back to the camera and then they start unplugging stuff thinking that it's broken and then they've just broken the entire room. And what we've learned is that the way to do this is to one, lock it all down and make it super simple. So they walk in, their meetings on it, they click join and they're done. That's what we do in all our modern rooms and all our systems do that today. And that you would get that if you asked people what was wrong with the room right now before you go change it. And it's, it's, it's shocking that many people just don't get asked. You don't have to ask every person, but ask the groups of people that are coming in together and working together because they're the ones who will use them, right? So I, I think going back to you know one of the things you can do, just survey people, survey them often, survey, survey them by manager and by end user and groups of people so you can understand the makeup of what needs to be built. Uh, and also size of room. If you're going to work together with two people, there are a lot of people that only work in groups of two or three. So why do you have rooms that can fit 50 people? What purpose is that? Unless you have like a, a, a like an employee meeting or something and everyone's there, at that point, you probably won't even be able to fit everyone in that room. But just it's just, it's just shocking. I just wanted to mention that because that's such a basic thing, serving your own people and finding out what they want, what they want, what they need. It is. And and I think, you know, when 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 we jumped into the pandemic and, and we'll get some final thoughts here and then I do want to uh, make sure that our, our folks listening continue to stay in touch with us for more conversations, reach out to our connection team, because we do have folks right that are focused on this wherever workplace. That's what we uh we do have teams that focus on this wherever workspace at Connection. Part of the idea there is to help teams understand what are some of these personas and what do you really need? Not just buying something off the shelf because everyone else is and sticking it in there, but have an understanding of what does your team need? What are the, these personas? Whether it's the work from home persona, whether it's the uh, office and the, uh, a new modern office persona, and then get the right information and technology in there so that the organizations, the teams, the people, right? can succeed. One of the things that I've always been patting people on the back for through the pandemic was when it started, I expected chaos. I knew the cameras weren't going to work. I knew the audio wasn't going to work. I'm looking at all these different platforms of meetings. I knew it was going to be an absolute disaster. And Nathan, I was kind of proven wrong by society. We kind of got it right, whether it was accidental or we were just close enough to having these plans that it worked. We got people at home. We got them working. We figured out cameras. Yeah, there were some growing pains. It seems like now is that perfect opportunity for that reevaluation. We've gone through and now we realize, no, hybrid is an ongoing thing. We won't talk. I don't think, Nathan, you and I get on you know, line five years from now, might be sooner. We're not going to talk about this word hybrid workplace. Just work. It's just work. And work yeah. is work. And it just means getting something done regardless of where you are. But right now we're talking about it because I think teams do need to reevaluate. It's a good pause time. Look at what has been done and maybe what worked successfully. But will that continue for the next coming wave of employees? Will it continue for the next wave of technology? And if not, which is probably the answer, 
that's where you plan, you focus. And again, maybe it's reaching out to the connection team, the, the wherever workspace focused individuals that can help, you know, bring your teams along. But um, those are my ideas. That's what I think. Let me give you the final word on kind of where things are going to be going. Maybe paint us a picture of what you see, let's say in the next 12-ish months. Sure. So I think, first of all, we require, I think we all require a mindset change, right? Because the world is very different. People's needs have changed. And the way people work are changed. And and frankly, especially if you're focused in, I and mean, there's a lot of negative press on the great resignation, which by the way is very real. Uh, and some of it has to do with hybrid work. Not all of it does. Some of the issues are really real. But I think one, we need to do kind of a mindset reset and try to understand what our needs are going forward, especially needs of teams as they work together to build the products or the services that each company offers. Um, so that 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 is going to have to happen from the HR and up or down, depending on how and how and um, how the organization is set up. But leadership down, I think, is the best way to start in terms of being able to paint that picture of what the new culture needs to look like. Uh, number two, we need the right technology, and clearly we have it from the desk all the way down to the, to the conference room. So definitely engage with connections on that in terms of understanding what the needs are. Uh, every room is going to be different. The needs are going to be different. The size of the cameras, the speakers, the microphones, all those pieces need to be thought about. But that's the technology part. As I always say, and you know, the technology is the easy part it, because we have the products there available. You still have to figure out which products and how to implement them. And then the, the last piece of that is as people come back to the office, I would not make the assumption that everyone just knows how to use stuff. Because that's the biggest mistake I think people make. It's like, oh, well, they've used Zoom and Teams rooms before. Well, maybe they did, but that was two years ago or three years ago, uh, and maybe they didn't have a great experience. And the technology is so much better today. It's so much, you know, like the, the versions of the software are better, the hardware is better, the cameras are better. You know, have make sure people um, are, are trained on how to use these things and, and actually do the training in groups, because if they're going to work in groups, right, it's better for them to actually work together and learn the platform in a group so they know how to use the platform where it becomes seamless and completely invisible. And that's that's our goal is if we can make the experience or the, the tech completely invisible to the end user, we've done our job because then they can work and, and, and communicate and collaborate together and actually get their job done. Um, so those are the three things. I mean, I mean from a Logitech perspective, you know, we're always thinking about the end user. You know, we always have, and from the first mouse that we've uh, released all the way down to our keyboard lines, our gaming lines, and obviously VC. So we understand the end user really, really well, and we're going to continue building products and services around it. Um, so those, those were those were the main things I can think of. There's a lot to consider, but obviously engage with connections because they have the expertise to uh, figure out kind of what's best for every room and every person. Uh, I appreciate uh, those are good final thoughts for people to uh, walk away with. You're probably going to go on to another meeting here soon, folks. Before you do, do me a favor. And for our Tech Experience Solutions podcast here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. We've got all sorts of great content out there for you to listen to. Also, a reminder, stay in touch with your account management team if you've got one in place so that you can talk about this wherever workspace and understand kind of the needs uh, and some of the learnings that we've had because the connection team is out there talking to people about this every single day. So we're building that knowledge and those ideas that we can share with you about training, about technology, about a uh, change of mindset as Nathan brought up. So Nathan, really do appreciate the conversation, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be safe, be well, and we do look forward to talking to you all down the road.